may please rise in reverence to the word of God. Our scripture for today is the scripture chosen by the men's ministry and the theme for today from Psalms 133. And it reads, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment, as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. I would like to first thank the men's ministry for choosing me. Uh, still baffles my mind why you chose me, but uh, I guess it's all in God's plan. Uh, to my father, if you don't know him, you should get to know him. <laughs> He's a great father, a great friend. Uh, for me, uh, a great example of a man. I appreciate all he's done for me, my family, and his example with how he treats my mother. Uh, to each and every other man that has a, made a difference in my life, I thank you. Uh, my uncles, uh, preachers, friends, I, I appreciate everything you've done for me, and happy Father's Day to you all. See, 28 years, 11 months ago, a beautiful, bouncing baby boy was born in a German hospital to a wonderful young couple and a beautiful, big-headed daughter. I love you. From crawling to walking, vitamin D deficiency, a broken leg, and an ironed hand, he grew more handsome and intelligent by the day. I'm, I'm just talking about somebody I'm getting to know. With examples like a loving mother who gave her all to ensure her children's lives lacked nothing, and a self-sacrificing father who at times held down three jobs to provide for his family. He was molded into a loving, self-sacrificing young man. Experiencing God at a young age, his life was made complete by accepting the undying love of the matchless Savior, Jesus Christ. As he aged, he experienced God's grace and mercy in forms of jail cells, drunken nights, car accidents, heartaches, heartbreaks, disappointments, and other trials and tribulations. See, I'm just describing somebody I'm getting to know. <laughs> Coming into the knowledge that in spite of himself, God would truly never leave him nor forsake him, he formed a close relationship with his Father in heaven. His exchange with him became so real, he began to feel the intangible things. It was just remarkable how much God loved him, knowing how imperfect he was. He became active in his church home, being a member, and leading numerous ministries. His love for his father was evident in his praise and worship. And as his praises went up, truly God's blessings rained down. God's blessings were so evident in his life that no matter what the situation or the circumstance, he chose to always wear a smile. And the blessing that keeps a smile on his face even today is God's most amazing creation. 
and it just blew his mind how someone so beautiful would take a chance on little old him. I'm really just talking about somebody I'm getting to know. You see, he must have truly found favor in God's sight because it was a double blessing, being that she already had a beautiful child. And this union brought a new dynamic to his life that allowed him to draw back into the things his father showed him growing up. The example not only in how to love a woman so beautiful and precious, but in how to raise a child. With his knowledge and spiritual guidance, his love for her matured, and with God's confirmation, he put a ring on it. This new covenant brought many other new situations, taking him to his highest highs and also his lowest lows. But in this joining of the two, brought two beautiful, wonderful, amazing new blessings to his life. The first being born on his father's birthday, and the second being born on her beautiful, big-headed aunt's birthday. And raising one child was trying, but three took him to new levels and frustrations. But he recalled that God would never leave him nor forsake him, and he continues to do his best and allows God to do the rest. If you haven't figured out by now, the one I'm getting to know is me. I'm learning even now how important being a father, a husband, and a man of God is, and how being in proper position in life affects not only myself, but those around me. If I can draw your attention to the text, we will see how God's divine design offers positive results. I ask for a moment, men, that we would see ourselves as the priest Aaron or standing tall as Mount Hermon, being the point from which the oil representing the Holy Spirit or the dew representing the blessings and hope of God does flow. The oil running down in abundance, touching everything we come in contact with. The dew and overflow offering life even in dry places. Now uh, imagine these, these points of contact are no longer where they belong. The oil ceases to run and the water no longer flows. I believe this may be a reason our families, churches, and communities are in such turmoil. <clears throat> why crime is at an all-time high, why our children have no respect for another's life, let alone their own, why our women are forced to struggle to raise children on their own, because we as men are no longer establishing our proper positions. God, from the beginning of time, has specifically established order and design for every person. For men, especially in God's perfected picture of life, our role is of utmost importance. The scripture taking place in a post-judges era, the author of the text speaks on how great and pleasant unity is. Speaking of a time when the tribes of Israel are again united under one king, in a time where there was great dissension and separation, the writer speaks of how great it is to be united as one. Just as the separation in the world today, where it's self-first at any cost, men's egos at times give us a me attitude, wanting for me the spotlight, the accolades, the shine, all the attention on me. Uh, I'm talking to myself also. You see, self-satisfaction, self-indulgence, selfishness not only in the world, but also invading our churches. And forms of ideologies like, excuse me, prosperity teaching, 
where it is me, I want more, more, and more. God as a genie, here to provide our every carnal desire rather than the God who deserves all the praise just because he is God. The body of Christ seems to have too much me on the mind. The scripture speaks of how great it is to be unified. See, even Jesus calls us to be one as he and his father are one. In John 17 and 21. And if it is pleasant to dwell together in unity under the one king, King David, as the Israelites, how much more pleasant, how much more great, how much more wonderful is it that the men dwell together under the king of kings, Jesus Christ. The writer likens dwelling together in unity to the oil poured on the head of Aaron to consecrate him or set him apart as priest. The oil starting at one point, his head, and running down his beard, even to the skirt of his garment. He also compares it to the dew from atop Mount Hermon, a dew that runs down the mountain and feeds the rivers in the Jordan Valley, offering a source of water even in dry times or seasons of drought. You see, how do we receive this oil that anoints, that sets apart? How can we tap into this ever-flowing water, this place of supply and great blessings? First, we must be one. It takes a self-denying attitude. It requires a humbling of oneself. It is written in Amos 3 and 3, do two walk together unless they do agree to do so? We must agree first to learn and to adopt a Christ mindset. We must learn to let this mind be in us, which is also in Christ Jesus, in dealing with our wives, children, each other, and also in our communities. In dealing with our families, men, we are called to love our wives, to give ourselves for them as Christ loves and gave himself for the church. We are urged to deal with what Peter describes as a more delicate vessel with understanding and mercy. We are not to... We are not called to control them or make them into what we wish them to be. The responsibility was given to us to care for them and to help, help them to become what God created them to be. You see, how dare we think that we can make what God created into what we want them to be? They were given to us to provide financially, spiritually, and emotionally. It is the essential and <clears throat> fulfilling role for men to do. And women understand that this does not give you the right to move out of your position. It is not about submitting to the will of your husband, but rather the, the will of God. Men were placed in God's design as the head and leader. As for me, it would not be my choice because it's a tough job. But just as Deborah and Judges did in a time where the men were not fulfilling their roles, God used this woman to fulfill his will. That's why I commend the women today who are raising children on their own. It was not God's design nor God's plan, but he's offered you what you need to do a good job at it. But God's design was that you and your mate would raise them together. The father's role was not just to offer the rod as to not spoil the child, but in Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 7, it states, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. A lot of us like to stop there, but I would suggest you move on and 
here it says, and these words I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children. See, we are to teach our children to love God and the love of God. We are to impart wisdom. I declare even at a young age, we are not just to be disciplinarians, but the foundation for love. But we should be able to give them physical affirmations of love. Hugs, kisses, high fives, pats on the back. Our interactions with them will establish standards for years to come. And we live in an age now where many children's interactions with a man is that of abuse or neglect. Men, I implore you to show children that there is touch that does not hurt. That there is love that is not sexual. That there is a relationship that is positive. This may change that little girl's fear of men and ultimately desire for a one of the same gender. This may keep that little boy from finding acceptance in other disconnected young men. Willing to do just anything for approval or feeling of accomplishment. You see, when we get that, that is when the oil does flow. That is when the dew does run. When we step into the deplorable situation and show the undying love of God, when we offer a way of escape to the distraught single mother, when we show the abused the neglected young child that your life is important and worth more than gold, it is when we get into our proper position that God allows us to be conduits for his precious spirit. We can't do it alone. It's only through the almighty, never lacking power of God that we can achieve these things. If we believe that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is the same power that works in us, let's work that power. Because Jesus got up, we can reach down and tell the world they can get up and allow this precious spirit and bountiful blessings and everlasting hope of God to flow in our families, churches, and communities. You see, all praises be unto God who is able to take these imperfect men and make them into great fathers, husbands, and men of God. A God who is able to take the broken and put them back together and put them back in a place of new. One who promised that even when we mess up, that he loves us and never leaves us. A God who even when we don't get it right, will step in and love the single mother, providing her with everything she needs and more. A God who is able to heal the broken child. A God who through the blood of Jesus Christ is able to restore the damaged marriage, to renew the father and child relationship. Just trust him. I believe he's able. He will give you everything you need. He said if we seek him first, he will give us everything. The peace, the patience, the knowledge, and the wisdom. He will take us from where we are and put us in proper position. And when we get in proper position, when we align with his divine destiny and design, when we begin to fulfill his wonderful will, when we get closer to him is when we become one in him. That is when we are united in him, allowing his holy oil to flow and his bountiful dew to run. Well, I like that poem. It's it good. It's good. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. 
We're very happy to be here today. And, and uh, a few days ago, when I was asked to participate in this particular event, I was tied up with so many things, I wasn't sure how we were going to do it. But nevertheless, I said, OK. Uh, I'm in kind of a double situation. When I was a young boy a few years ago, <laughs> uh, you know, we used to we used to visit back in Arkansas. We used to visit churches, and uh, went to this church one night, and had never been there before. And you know, we was kind of hanging outside, like the men do. It used to be so men go to church, they wouldn't go inside; they hang outside. <laughs> so it was us, the young boys, to hang outside with these men. This one man looked at me and says, hey, boy, what's your name? I told him. He said, well, you're going to be a preacher one of these days. I said, how'd you know? He said, I can tell by the shape of the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that wasn't too cool. And so I made sure that if I ever got the urge to be a preacher, that I made sure that that's what God wanted me to do. And not because the way my head was shaped in the back. <clears throat> Well, another thing happened, too, during those days. Uh, you know, we, we always respected the church grounds. Yes. You know, not just the church, the church grounds. Yes. And, and no matter what we did in the community, as we would go around, we didn't bother the church. Okay? Now, even if we got nerve enough to go inside of the church, one thing we didn't do was go in the pulpit. Because I believe that the older people, our parents believe that the pulpit represented the Holy of Holies. And, and, you know, some terrible things happened to the Holy of Holies with the priest if they didn't do right. So we would not, even if we got into the church, we would not go into the pulpit. And I still have those values today. So here I am in the pulpit. <laughs> And I'm not a preacher, for those who don't know me. I'm not a preacher. I'm a very hardworking layperson. So I'm pleased to be here today, and I feel blessed to have this opportunity to speak to you on this great occasion. This is a great occasion, and we who are men should really be proud to be here today and to be represented. I'm grateful that someone saw fit to ask me and I trust that by the time I'm done, they will not regret that they did. I'm also grateful for my family that God has given me, especially my wife, now of about 55 years. <laughs> and I don't say that bragging about who I am or whatever, but I say it in reference to what God has done for us. We thank God for our three children, and we count Tyrell as four, <laughs> and our 10 grandchildren, and our two and a half great-grandchildren. <laughs> God has blessed us, and I say that in a special way because of all of those. They're healthy, they're working, they have jobs, and last time I checked, none of them was in jail. <laughs> So, I think that's a blessing. 
My wife and I have been so blessed that we are trying to use God's blessings to bless others. And we, she mentioned before last week, we completed the four-week course helping other couples to be able to cope with things of life. And we're looking forward to this coming week to be a, another great week. So I'm delighted to be here today, and I pray to God that someone will be benefited by what I have to say. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day, and may the words of my mouth and the thoughts from my heart and intent of my heart be a blessing and be pleasant in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The purpose of celebration is Father's Day. It's Father's Day. I was somewhat disappointed to learn through preparing for this particular situation that some time ago someone decided that they would have a recognition for mothers a few years back. And as they obtained official recognition and permission to have Mother's Day, some years later somebody said, well, why don't we have a Father's Day? So I guess if the mothers, if there had not been a Mother's Day, there would not be a Father's Day. Now, I think it should be the other way around. But that's what happened. And not only that, Satan was busy making sure that Father's Day did not exist officially. And it wasn't until 1972 that President Nixon officially signed the documents to make Father's Day official. Now, that was very shocking to me, very surprising. And so we celebrate Father's Day here at New Mission as a combination with not only Father's Day, but Men's Day as well. At New Mission, we believe that God has given the Father a special responsibility in the home, in our community, and in our nation. And after all, he first made man and gave him responsibility to name the animals and all the creeping things upon the earth. So man has been positioned for some time to do those things, certain things, that gave him the leadership role. We'll find in Genesis 2, 19, 20, what he had to say about that. And I will read that. And the, begin the 20th verse says, So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord of hosts called a sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the, ri the rib which the Lord had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And when he brought her to the man, Adam said, wow, <laughs> this is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, that, that in itself says a lot, that, that, that God has placed man here, given responsibility. He has accountability. 
even gave him the ability to, to name the animals. You know, I can imagine Adam standing there and seeing this one animal says, you know, you are a four-legged animal, got long ears, I'm going to call you a mule. You're a four-legged animal with short ears, going to call you a horse. You're a short animal with long ears, going to call you a what? A donkey. Okay. Now, while that may seem, you know, kind of, that's that, realizing that all the animals that came out that God had created, Adam had the responsibility and the accountability to give them a name. And we use those names even up, up until today. That's awesome. We think about it. That is awesome. The birds, the fish of the sea. You're a buffalo fish. You know, you're a catfish. You know, that's, that's, to me, that's significant. So the thing that we want to do with that is it's kind of setting a stage that says, you know, man is responsible because we have been, been designed by God and positioned by God in this world to take responsibility. So let's talk about that from yesterday. Many references are given to show that the past, in the past, the father had been responsible for the well-being of the family. Therefore, it is our responsibility to create the proper environment for the family. And this includes a lifestyle that provides example living for those of the household. Mothers instinctively respect the father or men who accepts and make the effort to be responsible. We had a discussion last four weeks about that. And when, when the women came with their list of things they expect from their spouse, it was filled with things that says, we want you to be accountable. We want you to be responsible. And men, that's to us. That's to us. There was a time when mother assumed responsibility for the internal homekeeping and raising of the children, and the father went about generating financial resources that was needed to support the family. Well, today, that picture is changing for various reasons. So today we need to, two incomes to support our family because of our lifestyle. Uh, there's become a, a challenge for many of our homes because the issue of how much, how the money will be managed. And this has become one of the top five issues that causes divorce. How will the money, how is the money gonna be managed in our home? Who's gonna manage it? Whose money is this and whose money is that? I got mine and I got yours. <laughs> but that's one of the, one of the three top reasons why our divorce rate has gone beyond 50%. And not only in the non-Christian community, but in the Christian community as well. And we have to do something about that. So, too many of our fathers are experiencing a lack of respect, either because they're not willing to step up to the task or for other issues in their life will not enable them to have the respect that they will, they will allow themselves to be father of their homes. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. On the other hand, there are men and fathers who are stepping up to the bar. And I want to give them their respect and recognition today. 
to all of our men who are willing to take the stand for God and to be head of your household, the head of your home, and be responsible for making sure that your family and family environment is what it should be, God bless you. And maybe today, there may be somebody here who is willing to say, I will, I will stand for my family. I will stand for my, my, my home. Do we have somebody here today who will raise their hand and say, I will do that? I will do that. Amen. 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 And I believe that when we do that, God will be pleased and God will bless our families. All right? Well, on tomorrow, our young men today will be our fathers of tomorrow. Some are daddies today, but we were looking for more to be fathers. You know, the world has, has given a new title. And I just picked it up, you know, when you deal with these young guys, you hear them say things, uh, oh, that's the baby daddy. <laughs> What's, what's the baby daddy? What's the baby daddy? You know, and, and it's, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but we, we need to begin today to promote our fathers of tomorrow. We, we need to begin today to develop programs and ideas of how we can get our young people, our young men, to assume responsibility. It should not be acceptable that a woman go out to work all day and, and, and the guy is laying around home doing nothing. All right? Now, the world, the world has a different plan for the plan, but the church and community needs to reach out and to teach the responsibility of fathers. The world is confused and they are using the power of the media to promote their confusion. So we need to use the power that is within us, that is within the church, that is within the Christians, to be able to fight this battle and change the trend of our families. So, God bless those who are willing to step up and stand up. God bless those who will decide today that I'm going to do better tomorrow than I have done in the past. I believe that God's blessings are, are, are stored up for us, and the only way that we're going to release those blessings is through obedience. Obeying what God wants us to do and doing what God wants us to do will release the blessings that God has. You know, I was I always think about, when I think about this, I think about, I'm not sure what it's called now, but... We didn't do it where I was, but, you know, this thing got all this candy in it, a bag hanging up here, and you, and you hit it. What is it called? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And you, <laughs> and you beat the bag, and you beat the bag, and you beat the bag until finally it busts open, all the candy falls down on the floor, and everybody runs and grabs it. Well, I believe that's kind of the way God's blessed. God's blesses is up here in, 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 in the past calls in the account. And it said, all we need to do is obey. If we keep being obedient to God, he will release those blessings and they will be all over the place. What does Malachi 3.10 says? If you obey me, I will bless you that you will not have what? Room enough to restore it. Okay? To receive it. 
And I tell you what, that's, that's pretty challenging. That's pretty challenging. Well, you know, a few, a few years ago, I had the opportunity at a Church in New Jersey to uh, learn that, that if, if a person really understands who they are and what God has in store for them, uh, that, that the world will make opportunity for you. And this has to do with, I'm, I'm sure most of you say he's not going to get through with this unless he says something about it, it has to do with motivational gifts. <laughs> and and uh, what, what, what we find is in, the, uh, in, in Deuteronomy, not in Deuteronomy, but in Proverbs uh, 18, 16, he says here, Proverbs 18, 16 says, a man's gift will make room for him and bring him before great men. Okay? Now, I always thought that I was going to be going to the White House or whatever to speak. Especially with my name, they'll let me in the door. <laughs> but, but what I realized today is that this has provided me the opportunity to speak to a bunch of great people. You are great. You are great. You all are great. You all seem great, but you are also great. Now, why are you great? Well, there's a scripture, if I can find it real quick, that says, whoops. It's, it's actually in Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10. And we all know what that says. That we are what? Chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Okay, so this provides me the opportunity to speak to some great people because we are God's children, aren't we? We are of that royal priesthood, aren't we? All right, all right. You got to understand what's that, how this connects. Well, I wanted, I wanted to, I felt the need to, in understanding this scripture, to go back on something that really helped me with my life some time ago. Uh, a group of us put together some procedures and did some research and found out that there is, we use the word process, and, and we discovered there's a principle that says that everything we do is part of a process. You know, I got so, so inundated with it, got so internalized with it, my wife says, everything you do has got to be part of a process. Everything you do has got to be part of a process. Well, you'll catch that later. Uh, <clears throat> so... Uh, the definition of a process is a number of sequential activities that produces a desired outcome or output. So I want to help you with this. Over here is one component. This is the input. Right here is the value-added process. And when the value-added process is done, over here is the output. Okay? Now, here's the input the process, and the output. Got it? Okay, let's say, since it applies to everything we do, let's think about, since we, most of us bake, doing a cake. Over here in the input, you get the ingredients ready and with the right ingredients and everything, and then you put those ingredients together and put them into the process, and when the process is going on, you tend to uh, 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 recognize it, something is happening, which is giving you some feedback. And then when it's all done, over here is what? The cake, the output, the cake, okay? 
Now, now, based on how you do it over here, no matter what you do here, over here is not going to be too good. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. So I want you, I just want to kind of get this idea of process. Everything you do, if your home isn't right, check a look at the processes. Okay? If your life isn't right, check your processes. If the churches are doing what it's supposed to be doing, check the processes. All right? Because what we do is a number of these processes working together to produce the ultimately desired output. Think about that one. Everything we do is part of a process. Okay. So when I look at, when I look at, where is this? Timer? I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> I was just kidding. <laughs> I was only kidding. <laughs> so when we look at Psalms 133, and it, it, it seems like the writer is dealing with something that he is observing. He's sitting here looking and says, wow, you know, how good and how pleasant it is. He sees something that's going on. And this thing that's going on is unity. Now, the script doesn't tell us what the input is. It doesn't tell us what the process is but it tells us what the output is. The output is what? Unity. Unity. And then he says, wow, what is this like? It's, it looks so good. It's, it feels so good. What, what caused it? Or what is, how can I relate to it? And what he said is, it's like, it's like the oil that is poured on the head. Now, this is not just oil. Not just simple oil. This is very expensive oil. Very expensive oil. Uh, here we have in Exodus, the 30th chapter, and, and, and about the 23rd verse, it says, the 20, let's go to the uh, 22nd verse. It says, Moreover, the Lord said to Moses, saying, Also take to yourself quality spices, okay? 500 shekels of liquid, of liquid uh, mirth, and half as much as sweet-smelling cinnamon. And then it says 200 shekels of that, and then 203 shekels of sweet-smelling cane. And it said 500 shekels of Cassie, according to the shekels of the sanctuary, and a high, and no, a hint, a hint, hint, and a hint of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment co compounded according to the art of the perfumer. This is some very, very expensive stuff. Very good stuff. So he's looking, and, he, and when he tries to figure out what's going on with this thing of unity over here, he says, I can see that it's like oil that starts at the head, and it comes down to the beard and over the clothes. And you can sense this, that, and that's what he is saying. That's what this thing of unity looks like. That's what it feels like. 
okay? And, and then if, you, if you're going a little further, you feel it running down on your feet, through your toes, to the sole of your feet. And that's what, that's, that's what he's talking about, this thing of unity and how he's described the unity. So I want to, I say that because I want us to, to realize that this, this particular scripture, I think, has many applications. And, and uh, so when we see this, uh, this, this explanation and what the, he, the writer is saying, oh, how good and how, how pleasant it is. This thing called unity and, how, and what comes from it, how wonderful it is that we should have that. Well, New Mission, I know we, we want to have that kind of environment, right? Uh, Satan doesn't want us to have it. Satan, Satan's busy is to make sure we don't have it because he doesn't want us to be able to enjoy that kind of experience in, in, in within the church family. So he's busy making us go through different hoops and different things because every time we turn around, something is happening that's causing us not to be able to experience what the writer saw here about this whole thing of unity. And, you know, we will continue to fight that battle for a long time. But I tell you what, we know that it's, we won the battle already. We know that Satan is defeated. Satan is a liar. And, and, but we must struggle, we must strive, we must work on to provide, to obtain that unity. But we need to look at our processes. Look at our, what, what's going in, what's going on in the process, and what is the output. If there is some kind of contention in the church, don't fight each other. We need to look at the process. Because Satan is busy messing up what? The processes. That's what he's doing. He tried to mess up the process with Christ. Christ told him, no, you're not going to do that. Get out of my way. So, and we have to fight this battle until such time that the final anointing come. Final anointing come. And this anointing will take place uh, 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 according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Uh, and, and at some point in time, this whole thing is going to come about to be unified. And, and, and what happens here, it says here in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians 51 and 58, it says, Behold, I'll tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. You know, and this thing about anointing, it, it, it does something to you. It does something to you. Now, in the Old Testament, they were anointing the benches, the pews, and everything else, and people, the kings, the positions. But in the New Testament, we had the anointing of what? Of who? The Holy Spirit. And as he come and anoint us, you know, look at the, on the day of Pentecost. What an anointing that was. People, and think about when you're anointed, you don't worry about going home. You don't have to rush home. You know, what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? Said, hey, this is so good. It's so pleasant. Let's build us some tabernacles. Let's stay here. Okay? So watch our new mission. There will come a time when we will be so anointed here, we're going to have service at 6 o'clock in the evening. We're not, we're not going to want to leave. Just going to stay here. It's going to stay here. But the old physical body gives us that resistance. Says, I got to go watch the game or whatever. But in Corinthians, it talks about this. It says, I'm, I'm going to show you a mystery. Yes, yes. That in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, yes. 
and the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible and shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and the immortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruptible, and this mortal has put on immortality, then, then, then shall be brought to the past, saying that death is swallowed up in victory. And it says here, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is the victory? And, and, and that's the thing that we're looking for, that, that when all of God's children get together, all of God's children get together, what a time, what a time. We shall have the oil, be filled with the Holy Spirit, have shed from this old physical body into a glorious body, and we shall be changed. And we can't wait. That's what the old people used to say when they would sing that song. When all of God's children get together. What a time, what a time, what a time. We're going to sit down by the banks of the river. And oh, what a time, what a time, what a time. We're going to see our loving mother. Oh, what a time, what a time. We're going to see our loving father. What a time, what a time, what a time. When all God's children get together. Oh, what a time, what a time, what a time. Well, we're going to sit down by the banks of the river. Oh, what a time, what a time, what a time. God's children get gay. Oh, what a time, what a time, what a time. Well, we're going to sit down by the bank of the river. Oh, what a, oh, what a time, what a time. Oh, God's children get together. Oh, what a, oh, what a time, what a time. Oh, we're going to sit down by the bank of the river. Yeah, oh, yeah, what a time. Yeah.